As children, we'd lie on our backs on a grassy patch and study big, puffy white clouds as our imaginations ran wild. But even more fascinating than their beauty is the way clouds work in our atmosphere. The more I think about clouds, I think they're a very important mechanism that God has put in His creation. This is Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. We can read about clouds throughout Scripture. We can find them in supernatural occurrences, used as object lessons, protection for the children of Israel, and in the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in our everyday lives, clouds do more for us than many people may imagine. Don't drift away. Stay tuned for the next 15 minutes as we surround ourselves with clouds and learn how this creation wonder is vital to our lives. Dr. Raul Lopez is a retired research meteorologist with the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. You know, the more I think about clouds, I think they're a very important mechanism that God has put uh, in His creation. Because really, without clouds, we would have a very different character to the world we live in. So clouds, you know, they, they look so nice and puffy, and, and then when you have storms, you see all the power, and, and uh, that way they give a testimony to the wisdom of God and uh, His power. But also when you look at what they do, it's even more awesome, because you see the wisdom there of God in uh, assigning them a particular role that is basic to the maintenance of the atmosphere. But before we discover some of the fascinating ways that clouds help us, it's important to know what they're made of and how they're formed. ICR atmospheric scientist, Dr. Larry Vardaman. Basically, clouds are a group of small droplets of water that have been condensed from the vapor. And we're talking hundreds of cloud droplets per cubic centimeter in the air in these clouds. And they're relatively small. They're on the order of a tenth of the diameter of a hair on your head. And they don't fall very fast. In fact, as the air rises in the atmosphere and the water vapor condenses out and it forms these droplets, the droplets will go up with the air as it rises. And as the air rises, it continues to form new cloud droplets, which may turn into rain. These cloud droplets form in the clouds and eventually will bump into each other or raindrops will form on condensation particles like salt particles that are in the cloud and they will get big enough that they fall relative to the air and come down as rain. And they get as big as seven millimeters in diameter compared to a tenth of a diameter of a hair on your head. So there's an orders of magnitude difference in the size between the little cloud droplets and the raindrops that we experience at the ground coming out of a cloud. Although rain is what we mostly think of when considering the benefits of clouds, Dr. Ed Holroyd, retired atmospheric scientist from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, says watering the earth is not the only important job that clouds do. Clouds are a significant part of the water cycle. The sun heats the ground and oceans, causing evaporation of water. The resulting water vapor acts as uh, the atmosphere's most powerful greenhouse gas. Otherwise, this would be a totally frozen planet. As air cools by radiation or expansion, its capacity to hold water vapor decreases. When a dew point temperature is reached and exceeded by cooling, excess water is squeezed out in the form of clouds. 
If the air is warmed by compression or heating, clouds evaporate back to water vapor. Clouds and precipitation act as a safety valve in our atmosphere, preventing overheating of the surface. When the sun warms the ground sufficiently, clouds can form, which limit further heating. Cool downdrafts from afternoon and evening showers provide welcome relief after a hot day. This is part of the feedback designed for our atmosphere that God has provided for the benefit of all creatures. Dr. Lopez. Basically, they're the agents of mixing up the atmosphere. See, it's like if you have a, a microwave oven, you're heating up the surface of your food, you see, by microwave. But when you have a convection oven, see, what you're doing is you're mixing the air inside, and that produces a greater effect. So in the atmosphere, what the clouds do is they act to balance the atmosphere. When it gets too hot in the surface, you see, it carries that heat. When it gets too moist, it carries that moisture. So they are like a one side of an engine. They're always taking things that are too dense, too condensed from an area and carry it to another. They do the same thing with particulates, you know, cleaning up the air. But one of the main role is to... uh maintain the uh, the parameters in the air that we breathe you see, to, a, to a point that is comfortable. Otherwise, it will get too hot, too moist. So that's, in essence, what the clouds do. And then, uh, together with uh, the general circulation, they are one branch of that circulation, and then the uh, general circulation, the large-scale waves, they take what the clouds bring up and carry it out to the north or to the south, depending on where you have more heat, more humidity. So basically they act like a balancing branch of the circulation. Dr. Vardaman. One of the biggest controls on the temperature on the earth is the presence or absence of cloud. Clouds are very effective at absorbing radiation if it's in the infrared or reflecting radiation if it's in the short wavelengths. And it has a dramatic effect upon how much heat or how much radiation is absorbed or reflected from the sun as it strikes the earth. It's the clouds that control that a lot. And so clouds are very important in all kinds of processes. And God's design is built right into the natural laws by which they operate. And that's what science is doing, is discovering and utilizing the natural laws that God designed right from the very beginning. As clouds keep the planet cooler during the day, the opposite is true at night. Dr. Lopez explains how nighttime clouds act like a blanket to insulate our atmosphere. When it's very clear at night, see, you don't have the clouds intercepting the uh, infrared radiation, and it gets very cold. But if it's cloudy, then it doesn't get as cold because they reflect back the uh, infrared radiation. Similarly, you see, they act to, uh, it's like a canopy, you see, that, that helps to protect us from, you know, very intense radiation. We can see how important and necessary clouds are to life here on earth. But also in scripture, clouds were used by God for purposes other than maintaining the atmosphere. Dr. Vardaman. Turns out that clouds are referred to in some very interesting places, particularly in Genesis and Exodus and in Matthew and Revelation. And the thing that you find is that clouds are referred to whenever God is involved in appearing to people. Now, no man at any time has ever seen God, and one of the reasons for that is when he is evident or present, he is in a cloud. 
And well, also when the when the children of Israel were leaving Egypt to go into the Promised Land, God appeared to them in a pillar of fire by night and a cloud during the day. And, and if you remember, also in the temple, God appeared there, and there was smoke that filled the temple. Smoke is a type of cloud; it's a different kind of particles than rain, but it, it's the way God hides Himself or covers Himself. Clouds also bring a certain excitement to Christians as we anticipate the return of Jesus Christ. Revelation one seven tells us, "Behold, He cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see Him." So when Christ comes back again, He will be coming in clouds. In fact, when John and the other disciples saw Him leave, they saw Him go away, and He disappeared into a cloud in the heaven. So it seems that the appearance of God and Jesus, who is God as well, it occurs in association with clouds, and it's a way in which. God and Jesus appear and disappear from the sight of man. So, to me, that's a very exciting relationship to the kind of clouds that I am more familiar with here on the earth. The water clouds. I don't know whether those clouds were made of water or it's some other characteristic. It, it doesn't say enough in Scripture to know exactly what the clouds are composed of, but it's a very intriguing concept. Thus far, we've discovered the various ways that clouds protect us and our atmosphere. And how God has in the past and will in the future use them for special purposes. Now let's focus on their beauty and color. Dr. Holroyd tells us how clouds treat us to some awesome visual effects. Clouds can produce some very colorful arcs in the sky by splitting the colors in the light from uh, the sun and moon. We are familiar with the rainbow and occasionally see a second rainbow with reversed colors. When looking at a cloud deck from above. One in which there are relatively large cloud droplets. There is a white arc in the rainbow position, and that's sometimes called a fog bow. When flying above clouds or viewing lower broken clouds from a mountain top,、uh, look where your shadow falls on the clouds. There will be a set of colored rings about that shadow, called a glory. A red ring might be the main one visible. But、uh, there may be a weaker second and third red ring farther out from the center. The size of the rings is inversely related to the cloud droplet size. The smallest droplets create the largest red rings. The same series of concentric rings may be seen around the sun or moon when viewed through a thin cloud. The colored rings are then called a corona. The same optics can create colorful edges of thin clouds known as iridescence. Such beautiful colors confirm that liquid droplets make up the clouds. Purity of colors indicates uniformity of droplet sizes. And Dr. Vardaman says the splendor that we see in clouds should teach us that we have a loving Creator. The beauty of clouds is one evidence for a Creator God, because scriptures. Not only talk about God's creative ability and His omnipotence and the power to create and sustain everything we see around us, but Scriptures also talk about His love for us. And I think one of the illustrations of God's love is the provision of the beauty in the formation of clouds and the blue sky and the red sunsets and all the details that are instrumental in clouds. All this evidence, to me, shows the evidence of a loving God who cares so much for us individually that He provides this beauty to us. However, as Dr. Vardaman points out, God showed His deepest love for us 
by giving us eternal life through His only begotten Son. His greatest illustration of His love for us and provision for us is through the eternal life that we obtain through the salvation provided by Christ Jesus. So I would encourage anyone who is intrigued or attracted by the beauty of nature, particularly the atmosphere and clouds and so on, to consider the other aspect that God has provided through the beauty of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides eternal life. And all we have to do is accept that free gift for the salvation that Christ provides through His death on the cross at Calvary. So, to me, this is hand in hand. It's just natural. And and once you have that salvation, you look around you and you give praise to God for what He's provided. As our program comes to a close, we hope that you've been encouraged. It's our desire at ICR to show that the Bible can be trusted, both historically and scientifically, and to give facts that will build your faith. As Christians, we need to understand the scientific basis for our beliefs. We pray that this program will aid you in your discovery of science and the Bible. You know, most people aren't aware that today there are thousands of scientists that are convinced of the truth of biblical creation and not evolution. Our non-denominational ministry aims to restore and strengthen the Genesis foundations of the Christian faith. If you've enjoyed today's edition of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, why not visit us on the web to find out more about the work of ICR. The address is www.icr.org. Again, www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.